Hey, it's Emily Williams, the founder of I Heart My Life, and you are host of the I Heart My Life show. This is episode 186, The Dynamic Laws of Prosperity, part six. So this is the final part of my incredible series on Catherine Ponder's The Dynamic Laws of Prosperity, the book that I highly recommend every single person on the planet read because it is such a game changer. In today's episode, we're talking about the final three chapters of the book, the first of which is a chapter all about persistence and how persistence truly has so much power when it comes to creating wealth. The next chapter that we're going to cover is all about debt, how to handle debt, how to think about debt. And I know for a lot of people, especially business owners, debt is a big consideration. Do we take on debt to build our business? What do we do to with our current debt? How do we think about it? How do we continue to be abundant while having debt? So we're going to cover all of that. And then finally, she wraps up the book by talking about the power of the mind when it comes to healing yourself and your body. So if you're suffering from anything health-wise, you're definitely going to want to listen to this episode. So without further ado, I want to go ahead and dive in, and I want to remind you, if you've missed any of the other episodes, go back and listen to those before diving into this one. I've received so much response from this whole series, and I'm so excited to see that so many people resonate with this work as much as I do. Even my podcast editor sent me a text about how a few of the episodes have changed her life. For example, she had this guitar that she was trying to sell for a long time, and she ultimately realized that she still had an attachment to it. So she did the forgiveness work. She released it. She got over it, moved on. And the very next day, she had an offer on her guitar. So I just love seeing all these success stories. I love seeing all this transformation. And that's what's in store for you when you listen to the entire series. And if you're ready for part six, let's go ahead and do it. Are you looking to transform your relationship with money? Are you looking to make more money? Are you looking to increase your sales or maybe support your team in making more sales? If so, keep listening. We have our iHeart Money course available just for you. This is my signature course that helps you uncover all the things that are stopping you from creating more wealth. We go through eight modules together. You get a workbook plus video trainings, as well as access to over 20 hours of group coaching calls that I recorded with real life women who want to make more money. You're going to get so much from this program, and I want to give you an opportunity to get it at 15% off. So if you go to iheartmylife.com and go to our courses page, you're going to see iHeartMoney on there. If you use the promo code podcast, you're going to save that 15%. We'll also link it in the show notes. I want to make sure that you are able to create as much wealth as you desire, because that's the only way that you're going to be able to impact the world and step fully into your purpose and have all of the opportunities that you desire. You deserve to live a life of abundance. You deserve to be fully satisfied. You deserve to be fulfilled. And that's what I Heart Money is all about. So again, it's perfect for you if you are a new entrepreneur. It's perfect for you if you are a seasoned entrepreneur looking to go to the next level. It's perfect for you if you're in a career and you want to have a raise. It's perfect for you if you want to support your team and going to the next level. Maybe you have a sales team and you want to help them hit their next level money goals. It's also perfect for you if you want to learn all about money mindset and teach it to your clients. So again, go to iheartmylife.com, go to the courses page and check out iHeartMoney and use the promo code podcast to save 15%. All right. So the first chapter we're going to dive into is the prosperity law of persistence. She says the prosperity law of persistence might easily be described as the can do attitude. 
Nothing in the world can take place of persistence. Talent will not. Nothing is more common than unsuccessful men with talent. Education will not. The world is full of educated derelicts. Persistence and determination alone are omnipotent. There is nothing halfway lukewarm or half-hearted about persistence. It is bold, daring, and fearless. It does not hesitate, but goes after what it wants and keeps plugging until it gets results. A good statement to use in the face of distressing lulls or setbacks is, I am not discouraged, I am persistent, and I go forward. She says to remind yourself often, I am not on the way out, I am on the way up, which I absolutely love. Then she gives the example of a plow. She says, a plow is an implement used to cut up, turn up, and break up the soil for planting. Your persistence is your mental plow, which helps you break up those old familiar, those old failure attitudes of mind, which you have previously, which have previously kept success from you. Once you have broken up the feeling of defeat, you are ready then to launch forth with the can-do attitude that will surely show you how to succeed. So I really love that example, thinking about the plow as the thing that's breaking up all those old thought habits, that failure attitude, as she describes it, and then you have the space and the clarity to move forward. The next section, she talks about how we should never surrender to defeat. She said, the average person surrenders too easily to appearances, when often just a little more enduring persistence is all that is required to turn the tide from failure to success. The word persist literally means to refuse to give up. We've all seen that little graphic of the um, person mining for the diamonds. And then there's one part of the graphic where the person turns around and you can see that the diamonds are literally on the other side of the wall. And then the other part of the graphic is someone who kept going and actually was able to reach the diamonds. Okay. Then she gives us a little quote here. She says to tell yourself, I refuse to give up. I shall continue firmly, steadily, and insistently until my good appears. She says, often all it takes is a little more persistence and thinking big, working steadily and expecting big results in order to bring them forth in your life. A recent advertisement carried this caption, people who chase dreams are the most likely to catch them. So great. The next section says persistence produces success. She says, when you meet disappointment constructively, you can still go forward to greater good. Indeed, through persistence, so much good can be added to the present moment that it blots out the emptiness, discouragement, and failure of the past. So she's saying whenever you're feeling disappointed, meet that constructively. Look at all of the things that are positive, all the things that are um, producing even more strength in you, producing more awareness, producing more knowledge. We all know that oftentimes failure and challenge is one of the reasons we actually get to the success that we want, right? Then she goes on to talk about this. She says, failure can prelude success. Oftentimes, failure is success trying to be born in a bigger way. She told us this previously. And persistence helps you to experience that greater result. Here's a story that she shares, a personal story, which I actually find really interesting because although the book is written from her perspective, she uses far more examples from her clients and other people in her life than herself. So I was really um, intrigued by her and excited to read this part of the book. She says, 
for a while, um, her articles that she was writing were being rejected. And so she says, months later, as I began to evolve the laws of prosperous thinking, it became evident that the, the rejections of my articles were an indication that I was not thinking big enough. The time had come for me to write books instead of articles. Those rejection slips were nothing but success trying to be born for me in a bigger way. It was then that the ideas began to form for the writing of this book. My first reaction was, if you can't even write articles that are accepted for publication, how can you possibly expect to write a book that will be accepted? But prosperous thinking insisted on the opposite attitude. My previous failures in writing magazine articles were but an indication that the time had come to aim higher. So I think this is so interesting. How many of us would take that as a sign that we aren't meant to write at all? Instead, she flipped it and used it as an indication that she was meant to aim higher. She said, had my articles continued to be accepted, I probably never would have pushed past that level. So I was able to establish and maintain the attitude I refuse to give up. I shall continue firmly, steadily, and insistently until the good appears in this existence. Someone has said that success is failure turned inside out. I believe it. So I just love that example. It's such a great reminder that sometimes failure is that indication of us needing to do something bigger. So instead of believing that it means you need to stop, what if you shift that and actually look outside the box and allow you yourself to go to the next level instead? What if what you're aiming for right now is not actually big enough? I just love that. Mind blown. Then she goes on to say, refuse no as an answer. When you learn the power of prosperous thinking, you learn how to work things out in your mental attitudes first, rather than expend effort in running hither and you attempting to manipulate an outer desired result. The inner will produce the outer, but you must much, excuse me, must persistently produce the inner first. I'm going to repeat that. The inner will produce the outer, but you must persistently produce the inner first. I love that persistently. So it's not just a one-off thing. It's you consistently thinking in a certain way. Then she says, persistence works both ways. We have all used persistence to fail when we should have used it to succeed. If you persist in expecting and talking failure, there is no power in heaven or earth that can prevent failure from appearing in your world. So think about it. You're persistent in one way or another. You might as well use it in the way that you want it to go to be successful. She says, one right attitude is enough. Physical science has discovered that everything can be reduced to a few primal elements and that if the entire universe were destroyed, it could be built up again from a single cell. In a like manner, you can expand and rebuild your financial world from a single right attitude, which you can persistently hold to. By refusing to give up or give into failure, failure finally is worn out by your persistence and gives up its power to success. That's so awesome, right? So failure is finally worn out by your persistence. She says, meet hard experiences with persistence. Meet hard problems by persistently refusing to give up to them. Insist upon receiving a blessing from those experiences. Face them with dauntless courage or daring. 
If you have ever had the breath knocked out of you, you probably found the process of normal breathing was not sufficient to restore proper breathing. Instead, you had to fight for more air. In a like manner, in times of apparent failure or discouragement, if you do not vigorously persist in believing that you can and will succeed, you are likely to curl up forever in the clutches clutches of defeat and failure. That's such an amazing um, example of getting the breath knocked out of you or think about if you're, you held your breath underwater for too long, you would have to um, get to the surface as fast as possible and swim really, really quickly with a lot of determination. It wouldn't just be that you would casually drift up to the surface. You would have to really get up there quickly to be able to breathe. And it's the same thing here. So really fighting and making sure that you are being persistent in terms of what it is that you want and not going into a place of being defeated. Now, I want to make a differentiation here between you fighting for what you want and you not being an acceptance of what's happening. So you can still be an acceptance of the current moment and want more. And that's really important. So we're not anti the current moment. We're not making the situation wrong. We're just saying, you know what? No, this is not all that that is available to me. This is not the result that I'm craving. Yes, it's the result right now, but I'm going to keep moving forward until I get a different result. Okay. Then she goes on to say, plod on to victory. It is not necessary for you to have money to get a start in life nor that you inherit property, family name, or privileges of any kind. The one thing you do need, however, is a goal and a persistent plotting determination to reach that goal no matter what. She says, don't look back, look forward. If disappointment tries to sidetrack you along the way, meet it as best you can and then keep going. No negative experience can stop you for long if you don't look back after such episodes. Then she pulls from um, a section of the Bible. She says, learn a lesson from Lot's wife, who became hard and crystallized when she looked back. Instead, get your vision back on your goal and begin moving towards it in whatever way seems most logical at the moment. If you have been sidetracked or can't do anything directly to work towards it, there are little things that you can do that give you the feeling that you are moving towards it. Do them. They will lead to bigger opportunities along the way. So basically what she's saying here is don't get sidetracked in the failure. Keep taking small or big, whatever you can do, steps forward in the direction of your dreams. She says persistence alone is all powerful. Dog determination outlasts and outgames talent. Persistence is a characteristic to which success invariably surrenders. I'm going to read that again because it's really important. Persistence is a characteristic to which success invariably surrenders. Calvin Coolidge offered this gem. Persistence alone is omnipotent. Defeat may test you, but it need not stop you. Regard apparent failure, disappointment, or defeat simply as signposts that success is just around the corner. Use them as greater incentives to forge ahead, and suddenly there will loom upon your pathway your heart's desire or something better. Have your plans carefully in mind of what you will do when success arrives, because just when it seems the least possible, the tide will turn for you. I think that's so important. How many of us have these things that we want, but we have no plans for when success actually arrives. Think about that. If you knew something was going to happen, you would make a plan for it. Maybe you have experienced childbirth. And so you knew when the baby was coming. So you got the room ready. You bought the clothes. You bought the stroller. You had a plan. So what about you building your business? What about you uh, making a certain amount of money? Do you have a plan for the money? Money loves purpose. If not, make your plan. 
Now we're going on to chapter 17. It's called What About Indebtedness? So this is a really interesting chapter for those of us who have debt or have had debt or have any sort of weird um, relationship with debt, any sort of shame. It's really interesting how she differentiates when you should go into debt and when you shouldn't. So I'm going to read this, and I hope that there are some um, key pieces here that actually make you feel really good about potentially having some debt, especially if you're investing in your business or investing in your dreams. Um, But we're going to work through all that together. So she says, credit is not desirable if used in desperation to postpone financial disaster a little longer. Do not incur bills that burden you with the feeling of lack or limitation. You may incur reasonable financial obligations if you can do so with an easy mind and the faith that you can meet them in a reasonable manner. Now, this is really important because oftentimes we have people who start our programs that I hurt my life and maybe they don't have the money sitting in the bank. So they'll often put the program on a credit card or borrow the money from a friend or family. I myself was given James's credit card to uh, invest in the first program I was a part of. He lent me $7,500. And we did that and knew that we could make that money back. So what she's saying here is don't go into debt to postpone financial disaster, but you can incur reasonable financial obligations if you do so with an easy mind in the faith that you can meet them in a reasonable manner. So she's saying that you are investing in things that are um, going to create opportunity for you, not lack and limitation. Okay. She says no debt is good if you resent or fear it because such an attitude causes it to become a burden. So there are people who even take on student loans or invest in their business, and they're so anxious about it and so fearful and feel so much shame that it actually does become a burden and it becomes harder to make that money back and to pay things off. So she's saying the attitude that you attach and that you infuse in the money that you're spending is so, so important. She says, so as long, so long as you don't resent or fear financial obligations, you can maintain a mental, maintain mental and emotional control over them and your thoughts, feelings, and reactions. When you maintain a feeling of control, not feeling helplessly bound to debts, you keep the way open for the rich substance of the universe to flow to you in expected and unexpected ways, making it possible for you to meet each obligation. That's super important. So if you can't get yourself to the place of being able to be um, excited, happy, grateful that you had that amount of availability on a credit card or that someone lent you the money, then don't take on the financial investment because you're going to infuse lack and negativity around the investment. Hopefully that makes sense. She gives a few specific examples in this chapter that I found really powerful. I'm going to paraphrase one of them. Basically, there was a woman who had resentment towards debt and financial obligations that had been um, brought about by her husband's business. And she always had this resentment for the farm that they owned in particular. And so um, Catherine Ponder goes on to say, later, as her former resentments were replaced with love and appreciation for the farm, her husband decided to give up his sales work to move his family into town and to go into a contracting business. A competent manager was hired to run the farm. As this woman continued to praise and give thanks for her many blessings, her farm and her husband's new business both prospered. She now enjoys a happy home life with her husband and her children, along with taking an active part part in church. When she no longer resented her obligations, she gained control of them 
and was able to meet them victoriously. So think about your obligations and the fact that you are essentially a magnet. If you are resentful towards your obligations, you're not going to attract the money to pay those off. It's going to be like, you know, there's a complete mismatch, right? So we want to attract the money to pay these things off and to continue to move forward and be prosperous. That means you need to show gratitude. So this is really important for you understanding this on an even deeper level. So this section is called criticism produces indebtedness. She says, when bills come in, greet them in an unruffled frame of mind, reminding yourself that they represent represent blessings that you are already enjoying. That's really important. So a bill represents something that you have already enjoyed. It could be an electricity bill. It could be a water bill. It could be a credit card bill from the trip that you took with your family. She says a negative critical attitude towards bills causes many people to get into debt and stay there. I know a family that had consistently fumed over their monthly bills. Certain bills continued to rise unreasonably. They found themselves further and further in debt. When those people learned the power of prosperous thinking for getting bills paid, they stopped condemning the bills. Instead, they began to affirm, and she gives us a statement, we use the prosperous power of divine intelligence and wisdom, integrity, and good good judgment in all of our financial affairs. We give thanks that every financial obligation is paid on time. Thereafter, their bills decrease to a reasonable size again. She says, it is not only unpleasant and unnecessary, but foolish and dangerous to waste time and energy criticizing anything. We all know that. We don't feel good when we criticize. It's a waste of energy, especially financial obligations owed owed or owing you. Such a negative practice can lead to permanent indebtedness and even more utter financial ruin. If you are not willing to give of the substance that comes to you to pay your bills, why should you reasonably reasonably expect the rich substance of the universe to flow easily into your life? So let's break that down a little bit. She's saying, if you're not willing to spend money to pay your bills, why would you expect people to pay you? And that makes total sense when you think about it. We get what we put out into the world. And so if you're putting out this resentment over spending money or this fear, whatever it is, that's what you're going to get back. She says, an ungrateful attitude of mind brings ungrateful, limited financial results. So ask yourself, when you're seeing bills get automatically paid or when you're manually paying these bills, maybe you're reviewing your bank statement or whatever it is, are you of the mindset of, oh, I wish I didn't have to pay this. Uh, this feels so painful. Are people constantly having to chase you to make payments? Are you paying the bare minimum every single month? Are you paying with um, disdain and resentment or if you are you paying with joy and pleasure? Very few people, I have to say, pay with joy and pleasure. So I really want you to check yourself. And this is a great reminder for all of us to pay attention to the bills that come into our inbox or on our bank statements and really infuse them with gratitude and positivity. That's huge. So she talks about here um, exactly what I just said. Gratitude prospers. Never criticize or condemn anything or anyone if you wish to become debt-free and remain debt-free. That is a really bold statement. Never criticize or condemn anything or anyone. As stated in the chapter on your special powers for prosperity, the scientists now believe that everything is endowed with an innate intelligence that knows what you say, think, and feel about it. If you speak of things, people, and conditions in a positive, prosperous way, 
you gain their subconscious cooperation. So that's really powerful. If you speak of things, people, and conditions in a positive, prosperous way, you gain their subconscious cooperation. Whereas if you criticize your world, you repel its blessings and attract only negative, limited conditions in your life. She says, here's a statement. There is no criticism or condemnation in me, for me, or against me. Divine love, wisdom, and order now reveal the perfect guidance and produce perfect results in me and in my world. I love that. She says, the technique of getting debts paid, both those you owe and those owed to you, is first inner work in the realm of mental attitudes. Others are so repelled by your critical, unforgiving, condemnatory thoughts that they shrink from wanting to pay you what is owed. So she's basically saying that when you have critical, unforgiving thoughts about what is owed to you, people feel that and it repels them so they don't actually want to make the payment. She says, as you change your thinking about them, they subconsciously feel it and respond in a more positive way. I love that. Then she goes into a section that is incredibly powerful. So I want you to listen up. It's called activating trust dissolves indebtedness. If you are in debt, it is because someone believed in you and had enough faith in you to trust you financially. Let's let that sink in. So if you were in debt, maybe it's a student loan, maybe it's a credit card, someone believed in you and had enough faith in you to trust you financially. If others are in debt to you, it is because you extended your trust to them. Trust is a wonderful divine element and it produces divine results when activated. Whenever you think of owing or being owed, give thanks for the trust that brought about the financial transaction in the first place. Know also that the same trust, which worked in the beginning, can still work to bring forth the full payment due. Reestablish this attitude by affirming the same divine trust that first motivated this financial transaction is now mightily at work, clearing it up for the highest good for all concerned. Then she goes on to share a story about a husband and wife who were experiencing financial issues, and they basically had a lot of... um, fights and arguments and a lot of discord within their relationship. And it was pointed out to them that they would have to become more harmonious with each other before they'd be able to attract customers and make sales again. And I think that's so important. If you think about how we do one thing is how we do everything. If there is distrust, if there's a lot of arguments, if there's a lot of negative energy in your relationships, think about how that's infusing into your financial affairs as well. Then she goes on to a section that's called, there is a way out of indebtedness. And by the way, indebtedness basically just means to be in debt, if you haven't figured that out already. She says, perhaps one of the greatest barriers to freedom from indebtedness indebtedness is fear and desperation. So one of the greatest barriers to freedom is fear and desperation. When they are overcome, you are on your way to financial freedom. Such attitudes are normal for people in debt, but once those attitudes are changed, the whole situation will change and very fast. Always, for every problem, there is a way out. There is a divine solution. To help establish and maintain the prosperous attitude until it could prove itself, I suggest, she's talking about one of her clients, I suggested that he daily affirm this with this statement. There is a divine solution to this situation. The divine solution is a sublime solution. I give thanks that the divine solution quickly appears now. So maybe you want to create your own phrase, but just remember, as Marie Forleo says, everything is figure outable. Then she goes on to say, although it seems dismal in the moment, begin knowing that there need not be no permanent loss in this experience. That which seems to have been lost during an illness or anything else can be divinely restored to you financially and otherwise. 
Then she has a little prayer here that says, I give thanks for divine restoration in my business affairs. Divine restoration is now doing this perfect work for all involved, and the perfect result appears now. I give thanks that every financial obligation is now being met. Then she goes on to advise that we need to keep quiet about our indebtedness. If they would keep quiet, keep going, and do the best they could to meet their obligations and affirm divine guidance, that way would open up to clear all of the indebtedness. Then she talks about how there was a widow who um, had a very troubled life. She was lonely in debt, unhappy in her work, dissatisfied with life in general. While she sought freedom from indebtedness, all the time she bemoaned how harshly life had treated her. So she was showing up as a victim. Her financial circumstances became more stringent than ever, though she continued to receive pay raises and other financial blessings. Finally, she realized that in talking about hard times, her very words were her worst enemy. She became silent about her financial affairs. For all the hard experiences of her life, she was asked to affirm divine restoration and to dwell on the promises in the Bible. So essentially what she's saying here is speak only in prosperous terms. And she gives us a little statement here that says, everything and everybody prospers us now. We prosper everything and everybody now. So think about how it would feel to speak in that way versus speak about lack and everything that's going wrong in your life. Again, we attract what we put out into the world. And so when we show up in that way, you can really, you know, you can relate to this. If someone is down in the dumps and complaining all the time and showing up like a victim, then they're going to get that back. People aren't going to want to even be around them. They're going to repel people. They're going to repel money. So she says, dismiss financial mistakes, which I know will resonate with a lot of people. She says, oftentimes people worry about financial mistakes of the past and thus crystallize their thinking, which manifests as present indebtedness. Okay, they're thinking and worrying about financial mistakes from the past. When you look back, there's no room in your thinking for new ideas, which could clear up past mistakes and indebtedness to forgive yourself and others of past mistakes or to forgive yourself and others of past mistakes is essential if you wish to be permanently free of financial burdens. If such memories try and haunt you, use this statement. The forgiving love of divine intelligence has set me free from the past and from the financial mistakes of the past. I now face the present and the future wise, secure, and unafraid. She says that this will work wonders for you and others. As stated in the vacuum law of prosperity, it is necessary that we constantly forgive ourselves and others if we wish to be prospered. It's huge, right? Then she goes on to ask for prosperous ideas. So literally, if you're someone who likes to pray or meditate, ask for prosperous ideas. Finally, at the end of this chapter, she says indebtedness can be a blessing in in disguise. When unpleasant experiences come upon you, it is often because there are new ways of living and new methods of work trying to open you. In most instances of indebtedness, those who are financially embarrassed are very fine people who are trying to live prosperously on limited income. However, if they have rich desires, it is because they also have rich talents and abilities that are seeking expression. Now, this is huge, okay? This is a lot like the quote that I often talk about, basically saying that if we have a desire, desires are meant for us and possible. They're dropped in, they're like your DNA, they're a part of you, and they're also a way to get you to become more. So it's never about making the money, it's about who you become in the process. Because that desire, that thing that's inspiring you, 
It causes you to start the business, to transform your mindset, to implement a new strategy, to get comfortable being visible on camera so you can have more impact and utilize your talents. Okay. That's what she's saying here. She says their desire for a richer good is very strong, but their bank account has not been equally expanded. Often, they are people who are doing mediocre work when their talents and abilities, if developed, would bring them a rich income to balance out their rich desires. So dare to use new ideas that come to you when you are working out financial problems. Reread, study, and follow some of the suggestions for developing your talents and abilities that are given in the chapters on work and financial independence. So this is huge. I want you to understand. So maybe you've been taught that you have expensive taste. Maybe you've been told that you need to find a wealthy husband in order to Uh, have the life that you want, right? And I want you to understand that when you're judging yourself for having expensive taste or um, wanting nice things, then that's going to block you from having those things because we don't want to be in judgment of ourselves, okay? So we never actually get there. So the first step is to understand that your, your, your desires and everything that you want, it's meant for you and possible, And those desires are inspiring you to go to the next level and to utilize your talents and to step out of mediocre work to become that next level version of yourself. That's huge. And then your bank account can expand to reach your desires and they can be in harmony. She goes on to say, um, the boundless, limitless power that created the universe is now accomplishing in and through me all that is for my highest good in mind, body, and affairs. I give thanks that I am divinely equipped to accomplish great things with ease. I love that statement so much. That's huge. So I hope you guys are getting this, that this is like you wanting that next level thing. It means that you can have it. You just have to expand yourself and start showing up in a different way. All right, let's move on to the final chapter here. It's called Health and Prosperous Thinking. Now, this is one, if you are suffering from anything health-related, I want you to get this book and read it for yourself. She talks about three different steps that people can take in order to heal themselves. So the first step is forgiveness, okay? She gives an example here. She says, I knew a wealthy woman who tried desperately to lose weight. Several times she obtained stringent she obtained stringent diets from specialists at various hospitals, but once she lost the weight, she could not maintain it. Finally, she wrote of her frustration about weight, wondering why she could not maintain a reduced weight. From personal friendship with her, I knew that she and her husband traveled all over the world. They had a spacious country estate filled with interesting objects collected in their travels. Her husband had often complained that these things cluttered the house, so that it was necessary to keep a staff of servants to care for all their possessions. This woman had stored many other possessions in the cellar, in addition to crowding all their closets. I suggested that she prayerfully consider the vacuum idea, as discussed in Chapter 3, and ask for divine guidance concerning what she should release from her emotions and perhaps from her life in order to lose the weight and remain slender. In a meditation thereafter, she realized that she had long been holding unforgiving thoughts towards a relative who had caused her much distress. She began to daily declare and release, and she she began to daily declare forgiveness and release and freedom from that connection. She also got the feeling that she should heed her husband's request and clear out the house of objects, which were admittedly congesting the atmosphere. She cleared out the closets, cellar, and storage areas, called the Salvation Army, and p- passed on unused items that could go, um, that could do good where they were needed. 
Her husband was elated. She said that the very act of release gave her a sense of freedom and peace that she hadn't known in years. Interestingly enough, she thereafter went on another diet, has been able to maintain a loss in weight ever since. She now states that it was the act of forgiveness, release and literal, as well as mental house cleaning that brought forth her desires. So I love that. The next step is um, affirmative thought and prayer. So I'm not going to go into an example of that. You guys know what that is. So you create some sort of thought, some sort of affirmation that you're able to state over and over that will create the healing. Then the third step is mentally picturing yourself or the person who needs the healing as mentally strong and well. And she basically gives an example of a gentleman who was also looking to lose weight, and he realized that he could never keep it off because he actually saw himself as someone who was overweight. So he started to saturate his mind with actual pictures that he would put around the house of himself looking slender, as well as other people who had the type of body that he was looking to create, okay? So this is the very end of our series. I'm going to leave you with a couple of statements here that Catherine Ponder has written. She says, while you have been reading this book, I trust that some of its gold dust power has already touched you, even as it has touched me. She says, continue to study these prosperity laws and to apply them daily. Continue to invoke prosperous thinking deliberately and definitely. Do so with real joy and with great expectations. As you persist, your own divinely intended gold dust shall surely appear as greater peace, health, and plenty in your life. Accept gladly those gold dust results. So I want to leave you with that and also thank you for being a part of this series. This is a series that I knew I had to um, share with you regardless of what anyone thought. And what I mean by that is, I don't know many people who do a six-part series on a book, but I knew because this book impacted me so much that I wanted to share this with all of you. So I hope you loved it. I hope it touched you. I hope it's created some sort of gold dust power for you as Catherine Ponder talks about. And I just want to remind you that these episodes are available for you whenever you need them. The person who referred me to this book, Dr. Jay LaGuardia, um, who I also interviewed on the show, he mentioned just in passing that this was something he read every single morning. So I want to let you know that this is available for you to dive into whenever you need it. I'd love for you to share it with anyone who you think would resonate with this message. Spread the message, pass on the word. This is stuff that everyone needs to hear because we all deserve and have the ability to be wealthy. Thanks for listening. I hope you loved today's episode. It was super fun for me to record. Definitely take some action on some of the tips that I gave you in today's episode. You can also go to our courses page on iheartmylife.com and check out our iHeart Money course. This is perfect for you if you want to start transforming your money mindset to create more wealth. We also have our special money audio on that page, so you can check that out as well. Thank you so much for being a part of the show, and I'll look forward to talking to you next time. We hope you love this episode. Thank you so much for being an avid listener of the I Heart My Life show. Take a second and leave a review. It would mean so much to us and we read all of them. And for further inspiration and life and business tips about creating a life that you love and achieving massive success, definitely follow us at I Heart My Life on Instagram and at I Heart My Life Now on Facebook. See you next time.